Okay, beloved. Are you okay sitting for a message? Amen. Okay. Today we're talking about, we're going to be sharing together, understanding the glory of Jesus. This is a continuation on our series, Living Behind the Veil, because that's what the Lord has given you, is life behind the veil. He tore the veil. And when you're a believer in Jesus, you get a whole lot because of that. So, Hebrews 1, verses 3 through 14. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became, listen to this, we talked about him being superior to angels, but Hebrews actually has a lot to say about that. We talked some about it last week. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name, the name of Jesus, he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father? And in the King James it says, today I have begotten thee. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds, his servants flames of fire. The angels are your servants. But they're not going to listen to your complaining. They're only going to be dispatched and listen to the, na- to the, the word of the Lord. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds, his servants flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness, therefore, therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. In the Aramaic translation, it says, God has anointed you with the oil of joy beyond your companions. He also says, in the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you remain the same. You remain the same. And your years will never end. We serve a big, big God a big, big Jesus. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand 
until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. So you know the answer to that is none of them, right? That's why he's asking all these questions. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? That's you. That's every believer. The angels are ministering spirits sent to minister for you. The Aramaic translation there says, Behold, are they not all spirits of service who are sent into service for the sake of those who are going to inherit life? That's the believer. So, today we're talking about the glory of Jesus. The scripture clearly states that Jesus is superior to the angels. Hebrews 1.4, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. So Hebrews, okay, Hebrews was talking to the Christian Jews, right? So they were coming out of, out of a lot of religious thinking and a lot of legalism, right? Right? Yeah. So he was speaking to them and he was explaining to him that Jesus is greater, that Jesus, the name of Jesus is greater, the name of Jesus is above all those whom they revered, who the Christian Jews had revered. Not that those people aren't important because they tell us about Jesus and they can, they can show us, but, it, but they're not, but Jesus is greater. The name of Jesus is greater. So he's greater than the angels. He's greater than the prophets. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than Aaron. He's greater than David. He's greater than Joshua. He's greater than Levi. And you have inherited the greater. And it's time to walk in the greater. Okay? And this is what he's trying to get across. He's trying to help them understand the greater and what they have inherited. So God is transforming. God is transitioning their thinking and showing them the new glory of Jesus, so to speak. So these, these entities that I've just spoken about, the angels, the prophets, Aaron, Joshua, all those, they bear witness of Jesus, okay? They bear witness. They, they, stand in, they stood in offices that foreshadowed the various ministries because these were all different ministries. They all had different ministries. So they foreshadowed the different ministries of Jesus, but they do not carry the indwelling presence of the glory of God. Do you get that? Only Jesus can impart that to us. Only Jesus can impart that indwelling, the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, okay? That indwelling glory. And so Jesus is greater than every other creature. Yeah, and you're looking, oh, I know that already, Lisa Marie, I know that. Well, then why did Hebrews, if you really know it, to your core, to your core, then why do you have fear, anxiety, self-condemnation? You see that? If you really knew this, to your core, things would be different, right? We'd all be walking in the better, in the higher, in the, more, in the ascended life, all the time, right? 
So we need to get revelation in this in every area of our lives. And, and there are some areas where y'all are just like walking in the glory all the time, I'm sure. But there are areas where we all need help, right? Okay, so his ministry is greater. He is the only one, Jesus is the only one who can save our souls. That alone makes him greater. We must understand that he is greater than everything that we revere. You think of things. Go ahead right now. Think of things that you revere. He's greater than every one of those. He is greater than every one of your idolatries, every one of my idolatries. Think about things that are idolatries. And here's, here's the beautiful thing, see? He doesn't shame you to get you. He doesn't use shame to get you out. He uses love to transform you. He uses love to bring you out. He, lives, he, he uses lo- his love shed abroad in your hearts to win the victory, to make you an overcomer. He, he, he doesn't shame you with fear or with whatever to, to get you to change. He truly transforms you with himself, his habitation in you his habitation in you. That's what he came to give you. Um, So what are some of the idolatries? What are some of the things that maybe we put in his place? Let's just think about it. What are some of the things that distract us? That's gonna, everyone's gonna have a different answer for that. What are some of the things, um, what about fear? What about anxiety? What about pride? What about your children? What about other people that maybe you think are really great and that you honor? Do you understand what I'm getting at? He is greater than every one of your enemies. And if we really understood that he was really greater than every one of our enemies, every fear, every fear that the devil tries to implant in your hearts. He's greater than that. He's bigger than that. And we can bring our weakness to him, and we can lay it at the cross, and we win his victory in every situation. Am I, am I making this clear? Because when we have a fear, what are we really doing? We're saying that that thing in our life is greater than what Jesus can do and has done. When I have an anxiety I'm saying that thing that I'm concerned about is greater than what Jesus has already done. Right? That's really what's happening. That's really what's happening. So when we understand his glory, okay, is there anything, okay, take this for example. Is there anyone in this room who thinks something is impossible? Okay, put your, something that you've put your heart on. Something that you really, that you feel, that you really want in your life. Nothing bad, okay? But is, but do you ever have the thought, oh, that's impossible, that couldn't happen, that's too good to be true? That's an idolatry. Because nothing is impossible with the Lord when he, we give him the desires of our heart. Do you see that? 
He works his perfect plan in our lives. And if it's not impossible with him, it's not impossible with him in your life, right? We live under an open heaven. We are meant to walk in the glory of God. We are meant to walk in the image of God. Everything Jesus came to this earth and did, he did to show you what you could have. Do you get that? Everything he did, he did to show you what you can walk in. Okay. Greater than the angels. Verse 5. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father? Or again, I will be his father, he will be my son, and again, when God brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels worship him. So, Angels are created beings. Jesus is the Son. He is the firstborn. He is the begotten of the Father. Angels can demonstrate to us the things of God. They can lead us toward God, but they cannot truly bring God nigh into our hearts. Only Jesus, only Jesus brings heart transformation. And you may be sitting there thinking, this really isn't that important to me. I already know where angels are and where they have their place. But it should be important to you because if it weren't an important thing to understand, he wouldn't have put it in here very many times in the the first several chapters of Hebrews. So there's something where we need to understand that they are our servants, that they go forth, they do his word, that they um, work the word for us. Okay? but they cannot truly transform our hearts. Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life. He alone makes us partakers of God's life. Do you understand that? Do you understand that you are actually a partaker? You are a partaker of the God life in you because of Jesus. Partaker. Say, I am a partaker of the life of Jesus. Hallelujah. It is God's love shed abroad in your heart, and only Jesus, the Holy Spirit, can give that to you. No created thing can do that. We can look around, we can appreciate nature, we can appreciate all the beautiful, wonderful things that they've done, but God's prophets, God's angels, they can speak to you about God, they can tell you about God, but Jesus, what does Jesus do? When we, when we yearn after Jesus, Jesus speaks in us. He comes to dwell in us. It's not just something out here where he's directing us and talking to us. He becomes a habitation in us. He in us and us in him. You see that? That union, that union is the glory of God. That unity is the glory of God. Jesus said after he came to the earth and, and he was he was you know, he's going to be ascended. He said, take me back to the glory that I had when I was with you. In other words, before he came to earth. That, that unity is glory, and he gave you the very same thing, his own personal presence living in you, his very life. He is the life that imparts, he imparts his life in us. It's, it's not an external thing. He, he, he is the Son. The Son, what does the Scripture say? 
the Son has life. The Son doesn't just know about life. The Son has life. The Son is life. So what do you receive when you receive the Son? Can you just breathe that in? I mean, just breathe and envision yourself just the life of Jesus just filling you up. He's alive. <laughs> he's not just a demonstration of life. He's not just a representation of something good. He is actual life implanted in you. The life of Jesus totally renewing, totally transforming. You have been totally recreated when you receive him as your Lord and Savior. He becomes a habitation in you. Do you understand that? So Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, right? When he was ascended, he sent the Holy Spirit. The very indwelling of himself true revelation of himself sent to us, the true working out in our lives, the true working out in our lives of everything he, everything he inherited, everything he has as a son. When you become, you receive the same thing. When you become a believer, you receive the same thing. We need to get a new revelation of what sonship really is. Right? And as we desire Jesus, as we quest after him, as, as we allow him to be over all those fears and anxieties and questions and things that we think are impossible, as we quest after him and as we, we seek after him, as we remain teachable, we must remain soft-hearted. You know, there's so many warnings about don't harden your heart. Remain teachable. The Holy Spirit does Jesus' work in us, Jesus' life in us, the finished work. What he finished at the cross, the life, the power, the blessing, the renewal in us, the very glory of Jesus, right? Remember he said, I have given them the glory that you have given me, John 17, you can look it up. He is to be worshipped. 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 Even the angels worship Jesus. You are going to spend all eternity. You might as well learn how to do it here. Because you are going to spend all eternity worshipping Jesus. Worshipping your Lord and King. And you are going to have so much fun doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it tells us in this scripture that Jesus is the firstborn, the first begotten of the Father. And of course, you know, that refers to eternal life, right? That e our eternity with him. But it also refers to the resurrection. Okay? And there's, it's very important that it refers to the resurrection. I'm going to show it to you in the scripture in just a minute. It's very important that it refers to the resurrection. Because as it refers to the resurrection, it brings resurrection life to you. You see that? 
as it refers to the resurrection, it means that you have that very resurrection life in you. It's a gift. Okay, Acts 13, 32. We tell you the good news, what God promised our fathers, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. Listen, he connects the two beautifully. As it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have become your father. Do you see that connection? Are you getting it? When he says sonship, when he says I've become your father, when he says I've begotten Jesus, he's not just referring to eternal life. He's, he's referring to his resurrection in you. He's referring to the very resurrection of Jesus. And if he's referring to the resurrection of Jesus, it applies to you when you're a believer. So let, let's look at the Aramaic translation. We also behold, we preach good news to you, the promise which was to our fathers, behold, God has fulfilled it to us, their children, because he raised Yeshua, as it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you, and so God raised him from among the dead that he will not return again to see destruction. Both, when we look at both of those translations, it makes it very clear that he's not just talking about eternal life. He's talking about resurrection, which brings us into sonship, daughtership, and allows us to live that resurrected life. Okay? So fully understanding Jesus' sonship is very important to us. Right? It brings us blessing. Because as Jesus was resurrected, and as we understand living behind the veil and what the torn veil means and what we receive because of all that, that we are co-heirs with Jesus and heirs of the Father, when we understand all that, and as we understand the resurrection, we understand that we are resurrected in him. In him and him in us. Into his fullness. Into the fullness of all that he is. So what is he? Well, he's love, I know that. It's not just a characteristic that he has. It's who he is. It's his, pers it's his person. He is love. So he begets his son, and who is his son? His son is the exact image of the Father. Exact, 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 exact image of the Father. The exact duplication of that love, right? The exact duplication of that love. What's been shed abroad in your heart? What does the scripture say? Yeah. That's what it says. My goodness, what have you received? My goodness, what has he recreated you to be? Wow, that's amazing. So this son of God, this Jesus, this love, this love becomes man, comes to earth, 
who then because of what? We've studied this for the last three weeks, four weeks, whatever. Because of his obedience and his willingness, he is perfected. He is perfected. He is. Jesus is the perfected one. And when he entered into heaven, guess what you got? Perfection through him. Not in your works. Not in you. Not in what you're doing. Now, is that a license to sin? Of course, that's not a license to sin. Don't accuse me of saying I'm giving people a license to sin. I'm not. You're stupid if you sin. I mean, that just brings pain. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, that you gave us a way to repent and come back and, and you know, clean it all up. But we are perfected in him. His love is perfected in us because of him. He enters back into all the glory, reunited with his Father in heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father, okay? That perfection accomplished and finished. So now... He becomes to us the revelation of all of that. He through the Holy Spirit, he becomes to us the revelation of the entire finished work of Jesus. What a gift we've been given. Am I boring you guys today? Okay. So he becomes our revelation. He becomes our resurrection, right? He has been born to us and in us the divine love of God. He has born to us and in us the divine love of God. Whether you feel like you're walking in the divine love of God, believe me, you have the capacity. You have that seed planted. You can do it. You can do it. I know you can do it through Jesus. So through Jesus, God's infinite love, his infinite, all-surpassing, unconditional, merciful, new every morning, love dwells in us. I mean, really, just take that into your spirit. Think about that. Take that into your spirit. Just receive that. How does that make you feel? I feel that going into the recesses of my heart, touching things. And guess what? When our inward life is changed by that love, guess what? We get to enter the rest of God. We get to enter rest. We get to end from our striving. We get to end from the need to be perfect. We get to uh, end from thinking that, you know, every darkness can get us off track and that we'll never get back, that we've done it all wrong, that every little thing we do, you understand what I'm saying? So by Jesus' divine birth, divine birth, and his incarnation, and then his birth in us, his birth in us, our resurrection in him, his love can enter in 
and truly possess us, truly transform us. Okay, now, I am going to read to you a massive scripture. I guess every scripture is massive because it wouldn't be in there if it weren't. (laughs) But I started reading this scripture and, I mean, there is so much here to be understood. 1 John 5, 1 through 15. We're going to read the whole thing and we're going to think about the whole thing. Okay? Verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Can you say that? I am born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. That's Jesus. This is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out his commands. By loving God. That's what Jesus did, right? And he was glorified because of it. We've been studying that. (laughs) This is love for God. To obey his commands. Jesus said he came to please the Father. We are here to please the Father. But guess what? Not in your own striving because he is pleased with you once you receive him as your Lord and Savior. And his commands are not burdensome. Why are his commands not burdensome? This brings us so much freedom because when we follow his commands, it frees us. It frees us from the death grip that the world has. It frees us from fear. When we follow his commands, But, you know, he knows you so much better than you know yourself. He knows what's good for you. He knows what's going to bring you joy. He knows what's going to bring you peace. He knows what's going to bring you rest. And when we follow his commands, we get all of that. We are truly set free. We are truly set free from the grip of the world. We walk in a whole new heavenly realm on this earth. His commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. See that? See what pleasing the Father does? We overcome the world. The Aramaic translation says you conquer the universe. That's a big thought. You conquer the universe. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Okay, what is our faith? Our faith is Jesus. Him and us, us and him. His word is who he is, right? So even our faith, we overcome the world. Jesus, he did what he said. He finished the work, and guess what? I get to receive it. I get to receive it. I get to receive his victory. I get to receive his overcoming. He did it for me. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. 
And it is the Spirit, oh, we're getting into some big stuff here, guys, and it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is truth. Okay, who did he send to you? Why was Acts 2 so important? He said, wait here until you are endued with power. His Holy Spirit gives you power because his truth gives you power. When we receive the revelation of his truth, Okay, it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is truth. Because the Spirit testifies of Jesus, and Jesus is the truth. The way, the life. So that's what's being testified in your spirit by the Holy Spirit. For there are three that testify. The Spirit, the water, and the blood And these three are in agreement. What was me? What was we? What 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 was me? (laughs) What must we do in our lives? Agree. We've got to agree with God. No matter what it looks like. We must agree with God. We must agree with the Word. When we agree with the Word, the Word comes to pass because we're agreeing with Jesus. And you're going to find out in a minute, Jesus is the very testimony of God. So when you agree with Jesus, you're the te- when you agree with the Word, you're the testimony of Jesus. You're not a fake. You're not a false testimony. You are the testimony of Jesus. Big stuff. Powerful stuff. Okay. So, it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is truth, for there are three that testify, Spirit, water, blood, and the three are in agreement. In the Aramaic it says, and the three of them are in one. Okay? We accept man's testimony, but, oh foolishness, right? We accept God's test. I mean the man's testimony. Well, what's better than man's testimony? God's testimony. But God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his son. He has given us the testimony of his son, right? And he has given that to you, living, living in you, inhabiting you. Jesus in you, you in Jesus, okay? Anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in their heart. Do you see how transformed you are? Do you see how newly created? Do you see what type of a creation you are? Here in the Word, it says, anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. That's everything about Jesus, who's the exact duplication of the Father. I'm just trying to encourage you today. I'm trying to encourage you today. This is the testimony 
God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. This life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who has the Son has life. So can you speak life to every situation in your life and have it change? Don't waste your time believing any less than that. Just don't even waste your time. Because you've been given so much. You have been given a life in you that changes things. And the only thing that's going to keep you from that is you, if you believe that it's not true, that that's not what you've been given, and you listen to the lies of the devil. Every name, Jesus, the name of Jesus, is above every other name. He who has the Son has life. Aramaic translation there says, everyone who lays hold, everyone who lays hold of the Son lays hold also of the life. Hallelujah. I mean, that is massive. Like, that is so big. So is there, is there anything missing in Jesus? No, there's no darkness. It says, anyone who lays hold of the Son lays hold also of life. He told us that he has defeated the curse of sin and death and that he has given us the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life, but also that you know that you have his life dwelling in you in this earth. Overpowering, overcoming, victorious. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. Okay, what did he just refer to, and what is, he gonna, what is he about to refer to? Well, he just referred to that we have his life. That gives us confidence, and we have that confidence in approaching him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and if we know that he hears us, which we just found out he does, and we should have known it anyway, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. What are you asking God for today? I want you to take that seriously. Do not let that just float out of your brain, please. What are you asking God for today? Maybe... The reason we don't always get things is because we don't really ask. We just sort of like squeak around, let it like roll around in our heads or something. And we don't get serious with God and really stand there and believe on the word that what I am asking, the goodness of God, the glory of God, his mercy, his blessing, it is for me. And when I commit my desires to him, when I commit my way to him, he gives me the desires of my heart. Why does that happen? Because you've already committed your way to him and he transforms your heart to be in line, to be in agreement with his word and his will. 
So what is it that you're just way too afraid to ask God for today? Are you thinking it's too good to be true or it really couldn't happen? So, replace those thoughts with the truth. Because God has a whole lot more for you than you're even thinking about asking right now. Do you get that? He has a whole lot more for you than you're even thinking about asking right now. He tells us to set our minds on higher things, on higher thoughts. Man has something planned in his heart, but I'll guarantee you God has something greater. So honestly, this text here is like massive. Jesus in us, in his sonship, when we truly go after and understand what his sonship really is, that we have his very own testimony, Jesus in us, is our testimony. His testimony, him in us, he is our testimony. Are y'all getting that? I'm not just saying, oh, I believe in Jesus. I'm not talking about that testimony. I'm talking about the all of God the glory of God, the full manifestation of God, the fullness of God. What did, what did he say to Moses? When Moses said, God, I want to see your glory. What did he say? He said, I will show you my goodness. Believe for the goodness of God because it is what he has for you. And when we believe in the Son, we have the very testimony of God living in us. That brings me power in my spirit. That I have the very testimony of God because I have believed on Jesus in my spirit. In me, living. Not only so, not only do we receive eternal life. When we lay hold of Jesus, we lay hold of all life, of true life, of supernatural life, of, of, of his life, the life of Jesus in all its fullness granted to you, just granted you to you because you believed on him, because he's a loving father, because he wants more good for you than you can even imagine. He wants more good for you than you want for yourself. So when we're in Jesus, we're in Jesus, and he has given us all the ability, th the entire mind, the ability to understand and to truly know him and to live in him. You have that capacity in you. It's, it's heart revelation. It's been made open to you. I'll show you where it said that. It was in verse 20. He has given us understanding so that we may know him, so that we may know him, who is true. So don't ever again say that you can't understand. Don't ever say that. Don't ever let those words come forth from your mouth. So God speaks to us through, through Jesus, through the first begotten, in the resurrection power of the Son and in the word of his power. Remember we studied word of his power a couple weeks ago? 
in the word of his power. That's how he speaks to us. And it brings us into revelation, resurrection life in our own lives because of what he did. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, quickening our mortal bodies, okay? Do you use that for healing? All right, well, did you ever think of using that for everything else? It is quickening your mortal body. It is healing. But does your, does your brain ever need to be quickened into revelation of Jesus? Well, you could probably use that scripture for that. So Jesus, because what, what did you just say? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said that. He tells, he tells us that. So if he is the resurrection and the life, what does that make you? If you're in Jesus, if you're a believer, what does that make you? Of course. It makes you the resurrection and the life through him, through him. Not of your own doing, not of your own works, not of anything you'll ever do, not of any way that you can be perfect, not of any way that you can do more works or help more people or whatever. You have been given that because that is what he is. He is the resurrection and the life. You are resurrected life in Jesus, in his fullness of life, nothing missing, nothing broken, freedom in Jesus. Set free. Was Jesus under an open heaven? Yes, he was. What does that make you? Makes you under an open heaven. Would you like me to prove that to you? Okay, thanks. I'll prove it to you. You are under an open heaven. Let's go to Jesus' baptism. Matthew 3.16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened. Hallelujah. Do you think God ever closed it? No. At that moment, heaven was opened. So where do you live? In an open heaven. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting, okay? And the Gospel of John there uses the word remaining. Remaining. So has the Holy Spirit been taken away? No. Where is the Holy Spirit? Remaining in you. He's never going to leave you as an orphan. See that? So you live under an open, in an open heaven with the Holy Spirit remaining in you and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Have you become a son or daughter through what Jesus Christ has done? Is God pleased with you? Was Jesus under a curse? Are you under a curse? No. Did Jesus walk healed, provided for, overcoming, filled with joy, filled with peace, filled with rest, filled with the love of God? How do you get to walk? Same way. So do you because of who, in whom you believe. Did Jesus walk in the exactness of God? Did Jesus walk in the fullness of God? Did Jesus walk in the testimony of God? What scriptures have we just read? How do you walk? Same way. He has given you the capacity as you seek after Jesus, as you yield to Jesus, as you have a teachable heart, 
as you stay humble before him, as you allow him to do the work, as you make him the Lord. See that? We need to believe bigger, saints. We need to believe way, way bigger. Way, way bigger. All credit, all glory, all honor due to whom? To our Father, God in heaven. All that we do to glorify him. But guess what? He wants you to do his thing so that you will glorify him. Right? He didn't come to give you his fullness except to glorify him, but he came to give you his fullness, you, each and every one of you, his fullness so that you could glorify him. It makes him happy. It pleases him when you walk in him, in his fullness, and when you believe for his fullness. And don't think that you're not worthy or that you can't do it through him. So are we getting it? Okay. So I'm just going to finish <coughs> with a few thoughts about him being higher than the angels because Hebrews talks about it quite a bit. And though the angels are great, and though the angels are very important, and they do wonderful things. I mean, angels, okay? You've heard stories where someone falls out of a window and angels come and carry him down to earth and they don't get hurt, okay? So angels are important, but we don't worship them. We worship our King Jesus. Hebrews 1, verse 6. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds, his servants flames of fire. He, the angels are to minister the word of God in your lives. When you speak, don't, you know, they're not going to listen to your belly aching. They're not going to listen to your complaining. They're only going to listen when you are in agreement with the word, with the word of God. And when you are, they are dispatched to do his will, to do the Lord's will in your life. Okay. But about the Son, he says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, because of that, therefore, and we want to do the same thing, therefore, God, your God, has set you above all your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. When we hate wickedness but love righteousness, when we, when we truly believe and have revelation, know that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts and we expand that to others around us. There is such an, a joy anointing. There is such an oil of joy that will set you above every circumstance in life that tries to bring you thoughts of anxiety or fear or defeat. You will be anointed with an oil of joy. Hebrews 1.13 To which of the angels did God ever say sit at my right hand? Not a one. But guess what? Through Jesus you get that position. You see that? Through Jesus you get that inheritance. Co-heirs with Jesus. Heirs of God. To which of the angels did God ever say sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? 
in the Aramaic, it says, Behold, are they not all spirits of service who are sent into service for the sake of those who are going to inherit life? That's you. That's the believer. They are sent into service to, to be of service to you according to the word. So the, the, the writer of Hebrews here makes it very clear regarding the supremacy of Jesus to all other things. His position, his ministry, his glory in comparison to all other things. And only by knowing him, only by serving him, pleasing him, willing to be teachable, willing to go after him, trusting him, trusting him, trusting him to be who he is in our lives, will do we truly inherit the overcoming life. You see that? I mean, trust him. Trust him to be who God made him to be. God's very testimony. God is, a, is not a liar. Right? He's not a man that he should lie. So when we trust him to do the work of, his, of that very testimony in our own lives, that's how we live the overcoming life. But we have to believe for the all of Jesus and don't settle for something that's only partial. He didn't come to give us partial. He didn't come to give you a little bit. He came to give you all of him. He died to give you all of him. So anyway, so in knowing him and taking hold of him and understanding what he has given, we truly live by our faith in him. We truly live that overcoming all sufficiency that he has given to us. You understand that? Okay. So that's what the Lord had me share today with everybody, and we're going to um, 